The following podcast contains spoilers. We strongly recommend you watch the episode of The Americans We're Discussing before you listen to the podcast. New episodes air Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on FX. I think you can pull all of the spy stuff, all of the sex, all of the murder out of this story and really just look at it as the story of a husband and a wife who, as all married people do, have different sets of needs. And the wife had said to her husband, look, you can stop doing this. I'll do what's good for me. You do what's good for you because I love you and you love me. And three years later, she had her own needs. And because he loved her, he buried a part of himself and tried to do something for her and it just didn't feel right. And it pulled him back into that awful place he had been in years before. And setting all the murder and all the honey traps aside, it's not good for the marriage. Welcome to the Americans podcast for the sixth and final season. I'm June Thomas, managing producer of Slate Podcasts and your host for the series, which goes behind the scenes of the show. Later, I'll chat with stunt coordinator Ian McLaughlin about the fighting styles used in the show and with showrunners Joe Weisberg and Joel Fields about episode 605, The Great Patriotic War. But first, let's hear from Kerry Russell and Matthew Reese, also known as as Elizabeth and Philip Jennings. So on most shows, coming back for the sixth season, I imagine you'd feel really confident that you'd found the way to play your character. But in this show, you keep getting handed new characters. I mean, Kerry, I kind of lost track about how many identities Elizabeth was called upon to take in just like the first half of the season. I know, so many wigs. The truth is, Matthew finally complained enough about his hatred of wearing facial hair and wigs and swore he'd never do it again. So they just decided to give it all to me. The craziest wig of all was Stephanie. I do love Stephanie. I love Stephanie. I love the hair. I especially love the clothing. All elastic waisted waistbands and um, kind of shapeless turtlenecks with the home care worker, nurse, whatever material that is. And those glasses. I love that look. We'd shoot those scenes. That house was in Ditmas Park, Brooklyn. And I would wear that around, like I would during lunch go to the grocery store and go get stuff. You are literally invisible, and I loved wearing that outfit. I would also text a picture every time I put that on in my trailer to my girlfriends and say, do you wish you looked like this today? And they begged me to wear that out to a bar and meet them. And I should have. I should have. Well, you know, those clothes are still available. Yes, those clothes were bought, purchased in a modern-day store. That's <laughs> so, right. So you yeah. could relive that. So Stephanie yeah. is a really interesting character, though, because she's Elizabeth. She's Elizabeth focused on getting Elizabeth's stuff done, but she gets kind of forced into doing art. I was really puzzled by what Elizabeth would have been thinking about being forced to sketch like that. How did you feel about it? I, I do like the idea that Elizabeth feels like art is trivial, like it's a waste of time, sort of. I know someone who grew up in a very Chinese cultural, you know, her father's Chinese and she was born in China. 
and he was a diplomat. And I remember her saying, telling me the story that they had gone to see, um, I think it was like out of Africa or something epic and sad. And she was crying at the end. And I remember she said that her dad looked and said, why are you crying? It's a movie. Like, what's the point of crying? It's fake. <laughs> and that sort of is a little bit like Elizabeth sometimes. It's like, this is this isn't real. This is a waste of your time. It's not getting anything done. But I, I have one issue a little bit, and I, I don't know where Joe and Joel came up with it from, but is is that, you know, Russians really do appreciate art, don't you find? Like writing and art and ballet. And so I don't, that's my own personal question to them. But I, as far as Elizabeth, I, I like those scenes in, in which that character is saying to her, you know, it doesn't matter. Like all that matters is people and being with people and knowing how you feel. And I think less kind of for me than the art was mortality and watching this person die. For me, I was really feeling Elizabeth's mortality, like wearing a cyanide pill at all times. And I was really feeling that the children were always on my mind. Like, what am I, I have to tell them everything and it's, it's important and I, it has to happen now. I could be killed tomorrow. So I was coming at it from that aspect of it. But it's also just about, I guess, expressing yourself, which Elizabeth has thought was sort of a waste of time. Matthew, in a sense, you're the opposite this year because Elizabeth has more different wigs and disguises and characters in one episode or in one sort of ad break than you have the entire season. You're basically just Philip and Jim. Did you miss the wigs and the makeup and all those other characters? Not in the slightest. Did you find it a little boring? Nope. Ugh. Were you ever jealous that I got to be all these crazy people and trashy ladies? <laughs> Not for a New York second. <laughs> It's true. He's really telling the truth. Okay. When I asked the Jays about Philip and Elizabeth being in really different places at the start of season six, they said that conflict is horrible to live through, but it's really great to write. As actors, do you prefer conflict or is it better for you when Elizabeth and Philip are in this like loving, synced up space together? I think it depends on the context. You know, there are times, there are a million reasons why I love this show. One of them is, uh, to some everyone, one word is the complexity of it. What I really loved in Philip and Elizabeth were those times where they were having to fight a common cause for a common cause, not necessarily their, you know, work mandate, whatever that might be, but not necessarily agreeing entirely with why. So you kind of have this kind of layering of, of conflict, this conflict in the dealing of the conflict. So it was always really interesting to kind of go, they may disagree on some things, but they know they need to be unified against something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those times I, was just, I especially enjoyed because it just gives, gives you so much to do as, as, um, as an actor. But, you know, there was never any shortage of things to do on this show as an actor. So when you were kind of in conflict with each other, there was that what they were giving you was incredibly rich to play. In the sixth season, you, you've dug so many, so much incredible foundation work that the payoff was fantastic. It was like a juicy steak. The other thing I really, in terms of conflict and relationships, that I, I personally really enjoyed at that, the beginning of this season. I think for as 
fantastical sometimes as this show can be in the spy elements and action moments and me as Carrie Russell, a five foot four person beating down anyone who comes my way. Um, <laughs> what I do love at the heart is the way that they do Joe and Joel present the relationship. And I loved the beginning of this season, the kind of achingly lonely place that you can get to in a long-term relationship where you're not even fighting anymore. It's just, you're just really at different spots in your relationship. And you kind of, it's so far that you can't really meet. They wrote that really well. The, I think anyone who's been in a really long-term relationship knows there are ups and downs. And that is kind of a sad moment in a long-term relationship. And I think it's very realistic. Yeah. Well, you're not fighting. You're just kind of passing on the stairs and, Yeah. Carrie, this season, speaking of Elizabeth's loneliness, she spent a lot of time just standing there smoking. And like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like that's not something that the actors are called upon to do much anymore. And I wondered, like, did you kind of have to remind yourself how to do that convincingly? Had you smoked on television much in the last few years? That's funny. I don't think, I know it's funny, do actors smoke? I I guess they don't smoke as much. I now teach a class at NYU <laughs> called Looking for Film and Television. Oh, that's so good. You're such a good teacher. <laughs> yeah. They're very, well, they're, I've got a very good group this year. We're doing pipes this year. <laughs> you can play May Gray next. Oh, yeah. When you think about smoking, like, instantly what comes to mind is that kind of like handsome leading man character of the Wong Kar Wai movies, like in some beautifully like romantically lit smoking. And, but I love that it's this thing that she's sort of hidden for a long time. And now kind of kids are out of the house and everything's gone to shit. And she's just, I don't care. I'm smoking. I got nothing left. This is all, this is my one fucking calm moment of the day and this I'm taking it from me yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I like that I like that she was smoking all the time and it does it like makes your hair smell it makes your clothes smell I liked it I liked that that choice of theirs Matthew there's something really heartbreaking about Philip this season because he's focused entirely on his business dealings and it's still not going well like after years of the business ticking along just fine with him spending most of his time focusing on spy work. Now he's completely applying himself and it doesn't seem to be working. Do you share my sympathy for Philip here? How do you feel about Philip the businessman? I'm I'm more intrigued as to whether you're asking, is Philip the root cause of his own failure? I think, well, I wonder if he's just a bad capitalist. He wasn't raised in a capitalist environment. Maybe his own ambition is his, his, his downfall in the, in the kind of expansion and over-ambitious zeal he has for becoming a bigger capitalist than he already is, is that he kind of bit off more than he can chew. The business was ticking along fine, being a small kind of mom-and-pop and stuff or shop. And now that it's gone kind of Glen Gary, Glen Ross, the, the walls of Jericho are tumbling around right. him. Always be upselling. Always, Yeah. Oh, it should be ABS. Always be spying. <laughs> but doesn't it feel like such a real immigrant story, you know, of, of, of what America should be? Like, that's why I think it's so great. I, I thought that was 
And it's sad because you kind of know it's not going to work. Matthew, in episode 605, Philip goes to Paige's apartment and he asks her to really fight with him. And it's this really striking scene because although it's more or less silent, you feel like Philip and Paige are having this really profound, honest conversation that they've really never had before. Kind of what did that scene mean to you? You've just summed up exactly what the scene is, is in that it's not a scene about fighting. I think the whole scene is about Philip going, okay, if, if, if you really want to enter this world, if you think this world is one thing, this is what you'll have to do. There'll be moments where you fight for your life. And when someone is, you know, quicker and stronger than you, this isn't a game. You're going to get hurt. And he's proving a point. And now the showrunners. Today, I'm in graphic Gowanus with Joe Weisberg. Hi, Joe. June Thomas. And Joel Fields. Hello, Joel. Hey, June. It's interesting to see how determined Erica is to teach Stephanie, a.k.a. Elizabeth, how to draw, even how to see in a way. Why is this dying woman so keen to pass on a skill? I mean, in a certain sense, you might think that she would just want to be all about her own work, but she has this determination First of all, it's a generosity of spirit. She can be a kind of a hard-nosed, stubborn, heavy-handed person, but there's a there's a something behind that that is wants to help open up another person who she sees as shut down or clamped down. But I think we also see her as a sort of a there's a little dialogue that supports this as a sort of a serial teacher. Mm. And she's she's been this through this before with other people as well. Paige once again, is ignoring her mother's advice. She's mixing sex and spying. Everyone ignores their parents' advice. I mean, that's just part of growing up. But that has never been more disturbing than it is in this case. And, you know, I guess ultimately all parental advice is designed to keep the kids alive and well and happy. But in this case, it just feels like the stakes are extra high and like Paige needs to be listening to her mother. Well, who listens to your mother at that age? Man, I wouldn't listen to my mother. In that, if I were my mother Elizabeth Jennings, I don't know. That's kind of Plus, a lose-lose proposition. Paige listens to her mother a lot. So it's natural that you'd want a little bit of wiggle room. She should listen to Pastor Tim, I think, is Paige's <laughs> oh, best bet. Oh, man, if only mm-hmm. that guy hadn't moved away. That's her mother's fault, too, I suppose. Philip and Elizabeth. This feels a weird thing to say, but Philip and Elizabeth have sex. And then she asks for a spy favor which essentially is asking for him to put Kimmy in really extreme danger. In your minds, was the sex related to the request? I mean, did she kind of honey trap Philip in a sense? That's a terrible thing to say, June. I I like spy favor. She asked for a spy favor. (laughs) Philip, I have a spy favor to ask. I think the question Um. isn't, really, not to be cute about this, I don't think the question is what is what's in our mind. I think the question is what's in Elizabeth's mind. Mm -hmm. And... That's not something I think we can even answer for the audience. I think we talked a lot about that here. We talked a lot about what we hoped the intent would be. We talked a lot with the director, Tommy Schlamy. We talked a lot with Carrie about that. But ultimately, the hope is that that'll permeate through on whatever level it does. And it'll probably be different for different members of the audience. Mm. We literally moved, moved those scenes further apart. So it didn't seem too obvious that she was con. We want to seem like she was consciously doing that. Mm-hmm. That was for sure. As a consequence, we moved those scenes further apart to avoid that. You mentioned Tommy Schlammy. Is there any like amazing Schlammy moment that we should talk about? Let me start with the combat between Philip and Paige. 
I, I just love that. You can just watch that scene and how the two of them struggle with each other. It's classic schlammy because it, it's, it's, it's a fight and there's a lot of movement and there's a lot of ways that the, the camera has to move to, to catch all that movement and struggle, but it's a fully entirely emotional scene. Mm. What that scene is all about is capturing the, the feelings between these two people in that struggle and that being able to get those two things in harmony directorially is, it's just genius. It's just unbelievable. Speaking of the fight training, Paige uses it in public and that feels dangerous perhaps even more dangerous than being a woman subject to male anger and violence. But could Paige, should Paige have resisted showing what she's learned? Yeah. She easily could have resisted showing it if she were a different person under different circumstances, but she's not. So in a way she had no choice. She, I think in that moment, Joel doesn't believe in free will, by the way, I just (laughs) want to point that out to explain his answer. (laughs) Especially for her as a fictional character, I really don't believe in free will. <laughs> I think it's sketchy enough for any of us who who uh, probably don't have any control over what we're doing either, but you certainly gone, a fictional character. I have uh, never heard you say anything like that. You've gone full meta now. It's like you're denying their existence now. First, you're ex- Oh, no, they exist. They obviously exist. <laughs> you can see them. So obviously they exist. These characters Whoa. are very real. It's just that they don't have any free will. That is obvious. Having said that, I think what's what's powerful about that scene dramatically is that, that Paige has been such a controlled young woman for so long and has managed her emotions so well for so long and has channeled them so well for so long. Honestly, from being a young Christian through being a young spy, she's been able to control everything she's felt. And what we see in that scene is that there's some rage repressed in there and it can be set off. That to me is what's powerful about that scene. I mean, I understand all of the history, but why did Jim, Philip, sleep with Kimmy? What changed that allowed him to do that? Well, if you look at what Elizabeth said to him, she said, I don't ask for much. And I think that really got him because it's true. She's, he hasn't been working except for this one operation. He's been off. He has quit working. He's not a spy anymore for three years. She's been shouldering the whole burden by herself. She hasn't asked for anything. And he's fully cognizant of that. He sees how it's getting to her. He talked about it. He said, look how it's getting to you. He sees her collapsing, maybe not collapsing, but mm-hmm. you know, sagging under the weight. And now she wants one thing. And in their world that they lived in together for, you know, 25 years or whatever it was, the one thing she's asking for isn't really that big of a deal. It's true that it is a big deal to him, but he knows that it's not a big deal to her. And in the world they lived in together, it wasn't a big deal. So for him to decide to muster that for him, for her from his past is an act of devotion to her, even though it's very hard and painful to him. Mm-hmm. Now he tries to accomplish it otherwise, of course, tries very hard. But when he fails, it's either sleep with her or not do the thing his wife has asked him to do. And he chooses, I mean, it's a, it's, it's so odd to say this, but it's exactly the situation. He chooses his wife's needs over his own. And sleeps with a young woman. 
Well, that's really fucked up, right? Yeah. But that's on a, in a weird way. Yeah. That's where the show often thrives in those crazily fucked up situations. Yeah. yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. The act of betrayal is not sleeping with the young woman. It's shutting down the operation. Right. So he betrays himself and he betrays Kimmy instead of betraying his wife. Elizabeth dispatches Sophia and Gennady, but she leaves little Ilya alive. Is Elizabeth becoming a softie? Is he too young or, or really was it, was it just a mistake? Well, first of all, I want to say another phenomenally realized sequence by Tommy Schlamy. Just harrowing. And it was so exciting to see that in the director's cut. You know, Elizabeth, of course, arrives at Gennady's apartment. It's been staked out. And as far as she and her team know, Gennady is in his own safe house apartment. And Sophia and that kid are in another safe house apartment. And her only mission is to is to dispatch Gennady. So as soon as she sees Sophia walk into that kitchen, the first thing she does is wait, hide, and try to get to the window so she can get out and pull the plug on the operation. It doesn't go that way. So she has to take care of Gennady and Sophia because Sophia walks in. But that was never the intent. And there's really no desire or, or need to go after that kid. So we don't think it's at all about her being a softie. I think she regrets the fact that Sophia was there at all. And to us, it's more about her being caught in this fucked up situation and having to deal with it alone again. So Sophia is not a target and Gennady is because Gennady is carrying the pouches and all of that. Why isn't Sophia a threat? She's just a run-in-the-mill defector. Okay. Just a run-in-the-mill defector with a small-time job at task. They, they would have no cause to kill her. Okay. What was it that made Philip want to end the Kimmy operation? Obviously, it was always a strain for him, but it was a super useful source of information. And was it the sex? Was it the death of Sophia and Gennady? Paige? I mean, is there one reason? Well, to us, it's a tonnage of things, and you lifted, listed some of them. It's seeing where his daughter's going and that experience in this episode. It's finding out that his wife used their relationship with Stan and that little thing that they heard about the one operation Stan was still running in counterintelligence to go and murder this guy and his wife. And... It's all of that jarring in him into a perspective that made him wonder about what the purpose of that sex was and remember that he was supposed to be out of this and realize that the thing that pulled him back into it was her. And I don't think he cared about that intelligence coming from the Kimmy operation anyway. Mm. I don't think that's mattered to him for a while. Although it is, in a sense, it was the thing that kept him at the end of five when he'd learned about Breslin's new position. Oh, it, but, but that too, I think, was more for Elizabeth. In fact, I think you can pull all of the spy stuff, all of the sex, all of the murder out of this story and really just look at it as the story of a husband and a wife who, as all married people do, have different sets of needs. And the husband and wife had really different life and professional needs. And the wife had said to her husband, look, you could stop doing this. I'll do what's good for me. You do what's good for you because I love you and you love me. And three years later, she had her own needs. And because he loved her, he buried a part of himself and tried to do something for her. And it just didn't feel right. And it pulled him back into that awful place he had been in years before. And setting all the murder and all the honey traps aside, it's not good for the marriage. 
Before we sign off this week, let's hear from stunt coordinator Ian McLaughlin about how the characters in The Americans fight. Stunt coordinator is one of those jobs that involves a lot of different things, a lot of different types of work. But my sense is that on The Americans, because there's a lot of fighting, maybe more than on most shows, that a lot of the work that you do is what I think of as fight choreography. Is that right? That's correct. I use a a fight coordinator on the show because I'm not a technical fight guy by any means. And in the Americans, 90% of what you see is called Sistema. It's a Russian uh, fighting form that was developed for the military. My friend Roberto Lopez is a master at it. He does many different forms, but Sistema is one that he decided to pick up because it looks great on film. And it fit our show really well. I bring Roberto in. You know, I know the characters. I know the storyline. I know where we've been since season one. So I'm able to shape it. But Roberto does the technical stuff. So he'll train the actors to do these technical moves. And it's really fun to be on set because as we rehearse, first we'll rehearse with stunt doubles and we'll shape it and we'll get it approved by the directors and the producers, and when everyone signs off, then we bring it to the actors, and then it can change for them as well in case they feel like throwing a right you know, punch, right-hand punch instead of a left-hand punch, and we get everybody tuned up before we get to set and shoot it. It's a really interesting episode fight-wise for a couple of reasons, but one is that Paige, who we've been seeing kind of getting classes, essentially, little lessons from her mom and sparring with her mom, Elizabeth, this episode she does something positive which is like she shows that she can fight she protects herself that's got to be positive on the negative side she reveals her skills and lets strangers see that she can fight and probably more than just some casual instinctive fighting skills how did you approach that challenge of simultaneously showing that yes she really knows how to fight these days but also the era of demonstrating that skill? Well, first of all, this is three years in the future from when we left off with her starting training with her mother in the garage. And during last season, it was showing her just doing drills, just basic drills. So when we came back this year, we had to have her do some more advanced moves. A lot of those subtleties don't make it to the final product because it's just too fast to show. So we try and do things in more broad strokes. We try and pick moves that'll look good on camera. And then for that scene, the way we shot that was her character wasn't calculating that she was going to defend herself that way. I think it was supposed to demonstrate that her training had kicked in the way it was supposed to kick in. That under split-second decision, she could defend herself quickly and get the attacker off her very effectively, Mm -hmm. which she did. So it was a success on one part, but obviously Philip and Elizabeth weren't happy about it. The training has to go that one step further that she needed to defend herself, but maybe not. Maybe maybe let someone intercede and, and, and not show her skills. Yeah. And then later in the episode, Philip, who's heard about what happened in the bar and is just generally worried about Paige, goes to her apartment and gets her to just really fight him, not 
spar, but really fight. And it's a really fascinating scene because it feels like it's one of the most profound communications they've had as father and daughter. How did you approach that scene? What were you trying to convey in that scene? We needed to show that no matter how good she thinks she is, she was still a young girl and she's got a lot to learn and she's going to be up against adversaries that can really hurt her very quickly and kill her possibly. And at first she thinks it's sort of a training thing with her dad and she's not really sure what's up. And he throws her around and shows her that whatever skills you think you have, you're going to be put to the ground by someone like me who's been doing this for a long time. I've got the strength advantage. I've got the skill advantage. And this could be the real world, what you face. And I think that's a lesson he was trying to show her, that this isn't all fun and games. You haven't really seen anything bad yet. He needed to step out of the role of her being daddy's little girl to, I could be an enemy and kill you. Well, let's talk about Elizabeth and Philip's fighting skills, because as you say, they've been doing this essentially their whole lives at this point, and they've also been disguising their skills. So do Philip and Elizabeth fight the same way? Have you given them different types of skills? We've stuck very closely to Sistema. You'll notice in almost all the fight scenes we do, they're quick and lethal. And... That's important to, A, not get hurt. You want to neutralize your foe as quickly as possible and get out of there. So that's sort of how I've designed almost every fight scene or killing we do. It's got to be just quick and done. And Elizabeth's brilliant at it. (laughs) She does it. She moves on. She dusts off and, and she looks like nothing happened. And that's crucial to the spy work. Right. Well, in this episode, we see that amazing scene with Gennady and Sophia, where she's not expecting it. She's not like built up for it. But there's Gennady, a former hockey player, an international hockey player, a big guy. And she has no time to prepare. So that's kind of typical of what you're talking about, right? Like seize the moment, get it over with quickly, get out of there, right? That's right. She didn't expect him to be home. So she hides and ambushes him. And luckily she had a, a knife and she, <laughs> she's able to dispatch him quickly because if he had turned around or had any indication she was there, it would have been over for her. He, he could have overpowered her, you know, easily probably knocked her out. Thanks to Kerry Russell, Matthew Reese, Joe Weisberg, Joel Fields and Ian McLaughlin for talking episode 605 with me. Thanks also to Daniel Schrader for recording assistance and to the Americans Sarah Nolan for organizational help. Please join us next week when we'll be discussing episode 606, Rafifi, with some very special guests. I'm June Thomas. Thank you for listening.